Hello, I'm Tom Hauser. Vice President Mike Pence on Thursday made his second visit to Minnesota this month. He spoke at the American Legion's 100th convention in Minneapolis. He talked about several issues, from reforming the VA to military funding. The vice president also paid tribute to the late Senator John McCain. The Honorable Mike Pence. Vice President Mike Pence received a warm reception at the 100th American Legion Convention. Unlike President Trump, the vice president didn't hesitate to honor the late Senator John McCain in no uncertain terms. He came from a long line of service in uniform, he served in the Vietnam War, spent five and a half years as a prisoner of war, and he did not yield. At the exact moment McCain was being memorialized in Arizona, Pence was effusive in his praise in Minneapolis. America will always remember and honor the lifetime of service of United States Senator John McCain. Those comments drew standing ovations from the Legionnaires. Earlier in the week, American Legion leadership sent a letter to President Trump urging him to do more to honor McCain despite their political differences. He made this country proud. He made all the fellow veterans proud that, yes, even after all of that adversity, you can come back and still serve your country. In the near future, people are going to fully understand what this great man was all about. Pence also promised the American Legion the Trump administration will continue efforts to reform the VA and protect veterans' benefits. You have an ally and a champion in President Donald Trump. Just as you fought for our freedom, we will always fight for you. Now, after his American Legion speech, the vice president attended a Minnesota Republican Party fundraiser in Bloomington. We'll talk more about that later in political analysis. The American Legion held its annual convention in Minneapolis for the seventh time. Honorary Chairman Theodore Roosevelt IV, the grandson of the late President Teddy Roosevelt, talked with us about how the American Legion is still going strong after almost 100 years. I am just delighted to see that the nation recognizes the importance and the concept of service. The Legion held its first ever convention here in Minneapolis. It is the nation's largest wartime veterans service organization. Now, later today, Senator John McCain will be laid to rest at the U.S. Naval Academy in Maryland. Thousands of people paid their respects this week as the senator's body lay in state in both Arizona and our nation's capital. Even though he never lived here, McCain's political career has strong ties to Minnesota. Ten years ago this month, he accepted his party's nomination for president at the Republican National Convention in St. Paul. I have a privilege given few Americans, the privilege of accepting our party's nomination for president of the United States. That moment on stage at the Republican National Convention at XL Energy Center in St. Paul turned out to be the pinnacle of Senator John McCain's political career. He chose Sarah Palin of Alaska as his running mate. Senator John McCain. But that followed months of speculation. Then Minnesota Governor Tim Pawlenty might be the VP pick, including at this Minnesota town hall meeting. Minnesota Governor Tim Pawlenty will make an excellent vice president. <laughs> what do you think? What are his chances? 
I wouldn't like to speculate on who uh, the vice presidential candidates are. Senator, good morning. He also wouldn't tip his hand the following morning when I interviewed him one-on-one -on -one at the St. Paul Hotel. Will Tim Pawlenty be on your short list of possible vice presidential running mates? Is he on that short list? We aren't talking about names. But he would talk about his plans to fight to win Minnesota, even though a Republican presidential candidate hasn't won here since 1972. What makes you think this year you can win Minnesota? I think we can compete here, and I intend to compete here. And I know it's going to be tough. I'm aware of the history that you just pointed out. McCain didn't win Minnesota, but during one stop in Lakeville, he showed why he was considered a tough but fair campaigner. The people here in Minnesota want to see a real fight this next time in your debate. We want to fight, and I will fight. But we will be respectful. I admire Senator Obama and his accomplishments. I will respect him. And I want, no, no. I want everyone to be respectful, and let's make sure we are. McCain ultimately lost Minnesota to Barack Obama by 10 points, but he earned the respect of both Republicans and Democrats here in the state. McCain will not only be remembered for his political career, of course, but he'll also be remembered as a war hero. He was held captive in Vietnam for more than five years, and as Eric Chalou explains, a Minnesota man was right there alongside him during his captivity. After nearly eight years, Navy Lieutenant Commander David L. Wheat came home to Duluth. Back in 1973, David Wheat received a hero's welcome to Minnesota after being held captive during the Vietnam War. It's been a long trip home, and it's just been wonderful. At a prison dubbed the Hanoi Hilton, the Navy fighter pilot Wheat used a secret code to talk with other prisoners. We communicated. We had to communicate uh, we had exchanged names and uh, any new developments on anything, and you just always had to communicate, communicate, communicate. Wheat says to communicate with others, he'd get on his cellmate's shoulders using hand signals through a window to reach prisoners in other buildings. So that was my first face-to-face -face <laughs> with him from a slight distance. The man he'd often talk with through code was John McCain. The two have stayed in touch ever since. He was a hard-working guy, and he believed in his country, and he wanted to do what was best for the country. The two met again in 2008, after McCain accepted the nomination for president in St. Paul. Wheat says this is how McCain introduced him to others. I was a better pilot than him because I shot down two years after he was, and, and because I was a better pilot, you know, just throwing a joke out there. And, uh, that's the kind of guy he was. That sense of humor is something Wheat says he'll miss of McCain, along with his sense of country. We think of sometimes the politicians are above us all and this and that and the other thing, but uh, he was more down at the, with the people level, and we're going to miss him. And Wheat says at the time he and McCain were POWs, he didn't know what would become of either one of them. As they grew older, Wheat says he felt McCain's greatest strength was his ability to work both sides of the political aisle. Minnesota has four congressional races rated as toss-ups in the 2018 elections. That means half of our eight congressional seats could go either way, Democrat or Republican, in November. We'll be updating each of these races over the next two months. Today, we're focusing on the second congressional district. Republican Jason Lewis beat Democrat Angie Craig by less than two percentage points in 2016. Once again, this is a race that will attract a lot of national attention. 
Let's expand on this and pass criminal justice reform. Republican Congressman Jason Lewis attended a forum on criminal justice in Burnsville Wednesday morning. An hour later, he was candidate Jason Lewis doing a radio interview and shaking hands at the Minnesota State Fair. My pleasure. Thanks for coming out. Lewis is running a low-key campaign so far, but he says that will change soon. The campaign will get into high gear after vacation season and everybody gets back from the lake. But I do think this is really about what kind of Minnesota, what kind of country do we want to see after November. I'm Angie Craig. For too many today, hard work just isn't enough to get ahead. And Washington's too broken to fix it. Democrat Angie Craig wasn't available for an interview, but her campaign is already on the air with a TV ad in her rematch with Lewis, which the Cook Political Report rates a toss-up. On her website, Craig touts solid fundraising and highlights differences with Lewis, one of the biggest being on tax reform that Lewis supported, but which Craig calls a giveaway to big corporations and the rich, paid for by tax increases for the middle class. The tax cut from the Tax Cut and Jobs Act is $3,000 per family for in Minnesota. My opponent says it's the worst bill in history. She wants to take it away. I want that debate to happen. Lewis and Craig also have sharp differences on health care and immigration, among other issues. And speaking of debates, both sides have proposed five debates. However, they have not yet agreed on the format or the dates. Up next, Darren Broughton and Brian McDaniel will be here for political analysis. And we put this direct mail ad targeting some state Republican House candidates through the truth test, the major claim that it is making. You will likely see a lot of political mailers in your mailbox over the next several weeks. One that caught our eye targets Republican candidates in tight state House races over a pay raise given to all lawmakers last year. We put these mailers through the truth test. These direct mail campaign ads paid for by the DFL party are hitting mailboxes in several House legislative districts. They each target Republican House members in potentially tight races. The primary claim in the mailers is this. Republicans like Jim Knobloch of St. Cloud, Dario Anselmo of Edina, and Kathy Lomer of Stillwater, quote, voted to give legislators a 45% raise. This is false. There was no specific vote by lawmakers to give Minnesota legislators a pay raise. That decision was made by the Legislative Salary Council made up of citizens, a body that was created by a constitutional amendment approved by voters in 2016. A bill to put that issue on the ballot passed in 2013 when Democrats controlled the House and Senate. No Republicans voted in favor of putting the amendment on the ballot. In fact, after the Legislative Salary Council recommended a 45% pay increase in 2017, Republican House Speaker Kurt Doubt repeatedly tried to block the House from accepting it. I think there's a a large amount of danger that goes with putting legislative pay into the Constitution. I did not support that approach. I don't think it was a good idea. House Republicans were ultimately pressured into accepting the pay raise after a lawsuit was filed by two lawmakers, one Republican and one Democrat. The only other factual claim in the ad is that Republicans voted to give big businesses a $1.3 billion tax break. This, too, is false. 
House Republicans, along with three Democrats, voted for a tax bill that initially cut taxes by $1.3 billion. But it included tax relief for Social Security recipients, property tax relief for small businesses, estate tax cuts, and a property tax exemption for a new professional soccer stadium, among dozens of other provisions. The final bill was cut in half to $650 million. Because these mailers contain demonstrably false and misleading claims, they get an F on the truth test. The mailers make several other claims that are opinions that were not easily fact-checkable, so we did not check those because they were opinions. You can go to our Vote 2018 page at KSTP.com to see how we grade the ads with the truth test. You can also let us know if there are any ads or political material that comes in your mailbox that you would like us to review. And time now for political analysis. We will begin with this topic, and Darren Broughton, I will start with you. Why put out a mailer like that or an ad like that that is so obviously untrue. I don't know. It's stupid. <laughs> I mean, honest to God, it is like, it, it is an ad you would not, if you were to do it, you'd do it the last week before the election. There are so many things that you could hit House Republicans on. The party should have no problem doing mailers. This mailer is just silly. And the DFL uh, leader, Melissa Hortman, has, has tried to make the case that, well, yes, they did vote for it because when they voted to restore legislative funding after the governor had vetoed it, it included money for a pay raise, which it actually didn't. That money came from another pot. It gets too complicated to explain. But there was never a vote to raise their own pay. It is demonstrably false, and that is evidenced by that you demonstrated how it's false. <laughs> hence the phrase, demonstrably hence the, hence the phrase. false. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I know Darren wasn't, wasn't advocating for this, but when he said you do this the week before the election, it's because then there's no time to correct the record. This shows a complete lack of respect for the voters. This is saying we're going to feed you BS, and you're just going to accept it. But I think it does uh, point out uh, how, I don't really want to say desperate, but how eager Democrats are to take back control of the House that they're willing to put something like this out. Oh, eager would be an understatement right now. <laughs> I think Democrats Somewhere feel... between eager and desperate. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think right now Democrats are super energized. They feel like the governor's race is going their way. They feel good about congressional races. Now they want to make sure they can either pick up the Senate with that one Senate seat or find a way to pick up the House. Uh, let's talk about the congressional races, uh, starting with that second district race mm -hmm. that I just uh, talked about. Uh, Jason Lewis so far running a low-key campaign, but he uh, hinted that after Labor Day, they're going to be on the air with ads. It's going to be a much more aggressive campaign. Uh, are Republicans waiting for that, for him to defend that seat? Well, absolutely. And as, as a resident of, of the second, I'm looking forward to him, as he said in your, in your clip, uh, having the opportunity to actually debate Angie Craig about some of the claims that she's making about the tax bill. Because it is something that is demonstrably good for the residents of, uh, of the second district. And, I, and he is a very intelligent man who will be able to communicate why it was a great thing for that bill to pass. And the thing about that tax bill, Darren, is that Republicans say it's demonstrably uh, good and, and going to help taxpayers. The fact is no one's really going to know until they do their taxes next April because we don't have tax conformity in this state at the, at the state level. And people are still trying to figure out how is this going to impact them it looks like it might be a pretty good deal for a lot of people, but we're not going to know for sure. Well, we're not going to know for sure. I mean, it is questionable. What we do know is it is blowing up the size of the federal deficit. And we just heard this week that we've borrowed a trillion more dollars than we didn't have to do the previous year. And part of that is because of the tax cuts. 
Uh, let's talk about the third district race. Now, it was interesting. Mike Pence, the vice president, was in town. He had a big uh, fundraiser out in Bloomington. And we've got a picture to show you of uh, the vice president with all kinds of uh, Republicans who are running for office up there. You've got Jim Newberger and Karen Housley who are running for the Senate. Uh, you've got Pete Stauber who's running up in the 8th District. You've got Dave Hughes from the 7th. You've got Jason Lewis. All these people. Uh, somebody's missing from here, Brian McDaniel, and that's Congressman Eric Paulson. Is this another effort, you think, to distance himself from Trump and Pence because that's not playing real well in the third district. He's demonstrably missing. Um, <laughs> w without without knowing where uh, Congressman Paulson was, whether he was in the district, in D.C., I'm not sure where he was. It's hard for me to say exactly what the motivations are, but, I mean, it's, it's very clear that President Trump and Vice President Pence are not very popular in the third district, and that is going to be a very close race. Eric has to be cognizant of that and try to say, this is what Congressman Paulson has done, as opposed to this is what the president has done. And are we going to continue to see Eric Paulson maybe distance himself since he does have a 98% voting record with President Trump? He is going to distance himself. I mean, according to his ads, he might be up in the boundary waters right now, for all we know. Uh, but I don't think you can run away from President Trump, regardless of where you are in the state. I mean, ABC News has the poll out right now. that The president has a 36% approval rating in the country. Those numbers probably match up pretty darn well here in Minnesota, regardless if you're in the 3rd or 2nd district or even up, up in the 8th. All right. Did you have a quick final very, word? Very quickly. It's very important to point out that, that Eric Paulson does not vote for things that the president passes. The president votes for things that Eric Paulson passes. Yes, and but Paulson has voted 98% of the time along with the same positions that the president has taken. That's where that figure comes from. So, demonstrably. Demonstrably, absolutely. All right, Brian and Darren, thanks for being here. Up next, Catherine Tanucci and Kurt Zellers will be here for Face Off. We'll be back in two minutes. And welcome back. Time now for Face Off with Catherine Tanucci and Kurt Zellers. Thank you both for being here. Let's start by talking about the late Senator John McCain. And I know he's been honored all week long, and deservedly so, given the man's remarkable and heroic career, both in the military and in the U.S. Senate. This is some video from Friday when he was being honored at the U.S. Capitol. And, Kurt, President Trump, he just could not bring himself really to honor Senator McCain in the way the leader of our country probably should have. Yeah, and, you know, I, I'm a little reluctant to say how dumb the president is on this because I think it takes away from the memory of a real American war hero. You know, this should be about John McCain, his dedication to service to country. You know, my old boss, Rod Grams, he came here many times. He's a delightful man and a dedicated friend. And for the president to be a bonehead on this, I mean, I almost don't want to say it because it takes away from the memory of John McCain, but he's an idiot for not just saying, look, this guy was a real-life American hero. He would have been a better president than Barack Obama. I believe that. And just be done with it. But I don't understand it. But there's a lot I don't understand. And at the end of the week, Catherine, uh, the president was defending uh, the way he handled this. He said, look, I did everything they asked me to do, you know, somewhat reluctantly when the American Legion even had to step in and say, keep the flag lowered at the White House at least until uh, he, he's buried. So the, the president later did do the things that, that he, I guess he felt like he had to do. But he certainly didn't go any further than that. Wouldn't even, at the end of the week, say whether or not he thought McCain would have been a better president than Barack Obama. Which to not be able to answer that question makes me wonder who he voted for for president. Did he vote for President Obama? Seems unlikely, but it's truly incomprehensible to me that in a moment when the entire nation's united in mourning and honoring and respecting um, Senator McCain and his life well lived, that the president 
who who we've so we're so used to turning to um, in times of national mourning. He's unable to to say one kind word, and it's it's very disappointing to see. And, and Kurt makes a good point on not wanting to distract from 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 what we are here about. Well, of course, he was elected to not be politics as usual, and that's oh, yeah. certainly what we are getting with uh, President Trump. Let's talk about some issues here in Minnesota. We got some education numbers that a lot of people are troubled by, both Republicans. Yeah. And Democrats, the achievement gap continues to be a problem. Our uh, math uh, skills and scores are going down. Reading remains flat. Uh, Catherine, despite the fact that Governor Dayton has increased spending for education every year he's been governor, it doesn't seem to make much of a difference. You know, this is a really challenging issue, and it's it is it's a question of uh, you know state budget and how we spend our dollars and also it's a question of of, of morals and, and for our state re they're really difficult numbers to look at um, we're clearly failing our children and I think that there are many ways to look at it though and the there's a new there there's a new way of analyzing the test scores this year and that the Department of Education is using going to a more holistic view on how students are doing I think as that uh, that method is continues to be refined we'll have a better picture of what's actually happening. But I think to get to the root of the problem in the achievement gap, we need to look at the whole child. And I think it's, it's just impossible for a student who didn't have breakfast and maybe doesn't even have a place to sleep or the same place to sleep every night for them to do well on a test. And so we need to really dig into some of these bigger issues. But there's certainly going to be fodder for Republicans who are going to say, look, we told you money is not the only answer here. There needs to be reform. Sure, and, and that's the key. I mean, the, the sad thing of this is, is we keep having this conversation. The achievement gap isn't any better, a few points. We've got to blow the system up. We need to talk about school choice. We need to talk about school ratings. If a parent looks at a school and says, well, that school sucks. I'm not going to send my kid there. I'm going to go to the one where there are good results. The parents need to be empowered on behalf of the children. And again, I don't want to sound like a broke record, and I have to be careful, married to a teacher, not to say that more money is a bad thing, but this proves it. The more money we spend, the scores aren't getting better. So it's got to be about completely rolling up the system and then looking at what others, be humble about the fact that we're not doing well and see what others are doing better. Well, the legislature will have to roll up their sleeves and get at this again this coming session. Catherine and Kurt, thanks for being here. The final mm -hmm. shows for a Twin Cities radio mainstay. We'll have that story when we come back. This week will mark the end of an era in Twin Cities radio. On Friday, the mayor, Joe Souchere, will broadcast his final Garage Logic show on 1500 ESPN. The show has been on the air since 1993. Congressman Jason Lewis was one of Souchere's final guests during his state fair broadcast this year. Garage Logic will continue in podcast form with episodes available on the Podcast One network starting September 10th. You can listen to episodes of At Issue every week on iTunes and Podcast One. We have links at KSTP.com. And that's all the time we have for now. Hope to see you back here again next week for another edition of At Issue.